Welcome back to Wavelength. Uh, Good to have you all listening again today. Uh, We have a very special episode today. Uh, Obviously, some of you who've known us for a a long time may be familiar with a lot of the work we do in analyst relations. Uh, And for some of the other senior marketing people who may be familiar with the term, but maybe don't sort of haven't had as much experience with the ins and outs, we wanted to take today to give you a real in-depth tour of what is analyst relations? What does it do for you? What are the benefits? What do you need to be aware of? Uh, and kind of give you all of the uh, the accumulated experience we have. So first of all, we want to introduce our first guest, uh, very specially agreed to join us today, uh, and that is Nadia Nazar. She is Senior Director of Corporate Communications at Blue Prism, uh, also the AR Co-Chair at the PRCA, uh, and finally was formerly Director of Influencer Relations uh, at Resonance. Great to have you with us today, Nadia. Thank you very much for having me. No worries at all. Uh, And also, I hear it's a a special occasion. I think Nadia's celebrating 25 years in the tech industry. What a milestone. It is indeed a milestone. You're making me feel very old, Daniel. But yes, indeed, 25 years. So a bit of experience, one would hope. And I look forward to sharing some of my experiences and insights and having a discussion with Claire and yourself today. Of course, uh, and that leads me very neatly into introducing our next guest, who we have finally managed to to wrangle and sort of nail down for this episode of the podcast, and that is, of course, Resonance's founder and co-managing director, Claire Williamson. Hi, Claire. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on, and I still maintain you've never asked me before today, so um, really excited and delighted to be on having this discussion. Perfect, of course. Uh, aside from the slanderous accusations made against the um, the host of this podcast, uh, it's great to have you both on, uh, and I'm sure we're going to have a, a great discussion today. So, the first thing I wanted to sort of have a have a kind of brief discussion of, kind of give our listeners an overview. Again, we sort of go out to a lot of senior marketing people, and kind of they have an understanding of what analyst relations is. They have an overview of what analysts can do for them. But I really want to dive deep and kind of give an introduction for those who may not be too familiar and that question is what is analyst relations and why should our listeners care would you like to start us off Nadia oh okay yes of course so so I think from the point of view is one could argue that analyst relations is a bit of a a a lost art and uh, one could say and something I've always debated with Claire when I used to work here at Resonance is it is a bit of a lost art of courtship Um, And the reason why we should care is maybe you should consider or maybe you could consider analysts as as being the marriage brokers between yourself as the vendor um, and the end users And, and, and making sure that the chosen partners, the chosen analysts that you work with are the right ones that enable, raise awareness, inform, educate the um, the, the people, the end users that you're targeting. Um, analyst relations definitely is an integral part of any effective business or, or marketing strategies. You know, Claire, from your perspective of the agency side, you know, how, how you're educating your clients, how, how do you, why do you think you should engage with analysts? 
Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, analyst relations is, uh, there are two sides to analyst relations. And I think taking a step back, why should you do analyst relations? It comes back to that question, why? And I know Dan at Resonance here, we talk a lot about why, why are we doing this? What is the purpose? Where does it you know, land us? Does it get us closer to our goals? Analyst relations can really support uh, organizations of all sizes. It can be startups who are trying to figure out, you know, what their positioning is, their value proposition, through to the big enterprise clients that are grappling with, you know, enormous decisions. So there's the the kind of business insights side to analyst relations, the learn side. Uh, Kevin Lucas uh, from Forrester has famously laid all of this down on a, on a piece of paper, the earn and learn side um, of analyst relations. So organizations can learn from the analysts. They have a massive wide bird's eye view of the market. They're speaking to your competitors. They're speaking to your buyers, which is critical um, for, you know, for your understanding. But there's also the earn side, and that is reputation um, and supporting organizations in awareness, in the consideration side of the buyer journey and in making that decision as well. So there are two big reasons why any organization should um, should engage with analyst relations. Totally, and I think with that as well, Claire, is you think about all the different types of people that an analyst will speak to in a month. You know, it's your partners, it's the people that want to invest in you. It's the people that want to buy from you or worse, want to leave you and looking at your competitors. It's also about you not navel gazing, you know, um, and actually looking at what's important to you. Like you were saying, you know, what's important to you as a business? Um, what's important to you from a product point of view? You know, how do you increase you know, revenues? Is it through land and expand through your current customers? Is it through actually looking at the ideation stage of product of the product journey and testing those ideas with analysts? Because after all, because they're speaking to all the different influencers within your wheelhouse, why why wouldn't you want to test that out and see? Sometimes I know, you know, when we work together and certainly in, in companies I've worked with in the past, that notion of ideation, of actually opening the proverbial kimono a bit is frightening, right? Um, but actually, it's also enthralling. It's also about realization. And, and actually, taking those analysts as well on that journey with you pays dividends. It really does. And, and I think also it ensures there are some really good building blocks of why you're making certain decisions as well. Yeah, yeah. We live in a a world full of data and there are so many different directions that you can go in. There's so many different things that you can be listening to. Analyst Relations provides another data point or whether it's market data, whether it's insights from your clients, et cetera, to help support making the best decision for your business. And I think that is often the overlooked side to Analyst Relations. It's too often seen as a bolt-on to PR, media relations. Um, so, you know, sometimes that, that piece is missing. That's a, a great overview of the subject. I think that will kind of give people a really good grounding in, you know, what is analyst relations? What's it for? And especially, I think what's interesting is what you said, Claire, about analysts have that bird's eye view. Like you said, they're speaking to, to your competitors. They're speaking to your customers. They have a greater view than, in a sense, it's possible for you to get because they're obviously hearing more than other people in the market are willing to reveal to you. 
And sort of springing off from that point, I wanted to ask, and we have looked at this a little bit, but what is it that separates companies who employ analyst relations who really sort of buy into those methodologies from those that don't? So for instance, is that, are there any markers of that kind of thing that you can see from the outside? Nadia, do you have any thoughts on that one? Okay, so I I really do. I think what is the difference between those companies that don't talk to analysts or only speak to them at certain points? So I'd like to talk about both those, actually, if that's okay. Sorry, I'm cheating a bit. So on the side where some people don't speak to analysts, they don't think they need it. I think there's a real difference there, not just of brand recognition, but also from the insights that they can speak to at different levels of a vendor's company. So at that board level, that really strategic level, because that really helps with investment. It's remarkable how many analysts are actually looked at by private equity by large investors, by the large banks, etc. It's it's remarkable, actually. And even more so, and I hate to say it, but I'm going to point out the obvious, the pandemic. I think it's really exacerbated, exaggerated, um, and accelerated that position. Um, I think those companies, they're also those companies that um, only talk to analysts. And I know for a fact that Claire and I have worked with those type of companies that only work with analysts when they have to, whether that be a certain magic quadrant or a certain wave or a certain peak or a certain marketscape and all the others that are out there. Um, And that's when you're really being foolhardy because then you're not taking analysts on the journey with you, not building long-term relationships. Now, I understand some companies, especially nowadays, you know, we've seen in the last year, companies are really strapped and they are... Um, limiting the amount that they invest both in time and resource and budget but it is really important you know some companies really are maximized on that up and to the right and that up and to the right irrespective of where you're looking at can really pay dividends when it comes to demand generation when it comes to actually helping you as a company see yourself and have clear blue water between yourself and, and the competition yeah yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you've just said. I think um, the difference between those that engage with analysts is that, uh, and, and actually, I'm going to say a lot of clients will come to us and say, "Well, I don't earn. I don't earn. I don't learn anything from the analysts. I know it all. I know what I need to do. I know what my customers want. I know what my clients want." And yes, I think. You know, obviously, these companies are in business because they've kind of, you know, learned the art of listening to what their clients, their customers want. They've learned the art of how to to make decisions. But actually, why wouldn't you want that external validation? And I think when you're engaging with analysts, just making sure that you're asking the right questions and really thinking about those questions. That's what separates companies, actually. It's not necessarily about those who do or don't. Those that do will get more value if they're really thinking about what they're asking and what they're looking for and what they're seeking, um, if that makes sense. Totally, and I think that validation piece is also for your customers and prospects as well, right? Because they want that affirmation or that reaffirmation or validation of why am I going with company X instead of company Y? Because like we said earlier, those analysts are speaking to your end users and speaking to your competitors' end users. So they need that validation. Also, the partners where you sell with or sell through, 
they need that validation as well. They need that affirmation. So the fact that you're working with analysts that are now name dropping you, that's amazing. That's great for you. That's another reaffirmation piece to add, you know, another string to your bow. Yeah, and, and maybe it's important to be clear here just for those that don't deal with analyst relations on a daily basis. It's not just about those up and to the right reports, the ranking reports, etc. It's not just about getting a mention in a blog or a, a market report. It's also the analysts speaking to the buy side. So they are speaking and advising and guiding in inquiries, your prospects, your your potential clients, even your clients. And so again, that you know, thinking about the, the marketing funnel, that loyalty, that um, you know, amplifying that loyalty is also really important. That's a that's a great response, and I particularly like the point around. I, like, I, like you began by saying, um, Nadia, that it is a journey. It's not sort of you stop in every now and then, be sort of how we doing, what's going on. It sort of is that you need to kind of continually be saying, this is where we're at, what advice do you have? And we've spoken to senior marketing leaders and to investors that we work with. And so much of the market, especially as obviously budgets constrict, as things get a bit tighter, so much emphasis is being placed on that product market fit. You know, are you providing exactly what your customers want? Are you targeting, you know, the right segments and the right verticals? And it does seem like that is one of the major benefits. And kind of as we discuss how the market's changing, what's different now than it was maybe even over the past few months or years, how have both of you seen kind of the, the practice and I guess the industry of analyst relations evolve since you began working with it? I think we'll start at Claire this time. Yeah, I think it really depends on the organization you're working with um, as to that question. I think that there is a journey. It's, a, it's quite an immature industry, really, when you, you know, you think about the grand scheme of things, just like PR is actually still quite in its infancy as a profession. Um, how has it evolved? I think organizations, again, depends on where they are in their kind of journey. I think, you know, we did some research recently. We asked 100 analyst relations professionals, um, you know, what they thought internally the perception of analyst relations was. And they are seeing internally, these 100, you know, senior professionals in the industry that the management team the leadership the business heads are looking to analyst relations more to make those decisions and i think the world nadia we've spoken in the past about the chaotic buyer and there's all this uh content taking up oxygen and um you know i think that's going to get worse now in the era of generative ai there's going to be more and more of an explosion of content and information to inform decisions i think those inside that are um, you know on, on a journey to maturity are understanding that they can get key insights from analysts and kind of cut through the crap for want of a better term to get a better kind of you know end uh, end result from a decision point of view and I think in addition to that which of course I totally I agree with totally with that um, I think also um, vendors are understanding that that evolution that or evolution of analyst relations still very much in the infancy stage totally agree with that claire is the fact that companies are quarterly driven right i think in the and you know the 25 years that i've worked in tech i can't remember a time when when companies weren't quarterly driven i think companies are starting to understand that actually 
analyst relations needs to be more than quarterly driven. Um, maybe using the papers for marketing is different for demand gen activities, but I think very much it is that long-term scape. It allows you to have that 6, 12, 18 months and beyond. So I think that's the clever side. I think that if you don't have analyst relations in your strategy or as part of your strategy in some form, I think companies will become laggards um, and won't understand that or, or won't be as quick to enable that blue sky or that that uh, clear blue water. I think they'll struggle with that. Um, and I think, you know, from a point of view of how companies or how analysts are evolving, because I think it's not just us as, you know, on the other side. I think analysts are evolving as well. They realize that. They certainly have changed the two different types of seats that they have within their organizations. Um, some of those are still, um, <laughs> and we can talk about that in as uh, maybe it's one of the other questions. I have a feeling, Daniel, you'll be asking us, but there are different types. I think also to suit the different areas of the business that analysts work with. Yeah. You know, you cite a product marketing. Yeah. We also have the office of the CMO, the office of the CTO or CIO let alone other areas as well. And I think that really opens the door of how it's evolved too. So that far more client-facing, vendor-facing opportunity as well, which is good, which I think really will help. Technology, we are in the tech industry, B2B technology, enterprise, supporting enterprise clients succeed. To succeed, they need to have their finger on the pulse of what is coming and actually it's moving so quickly now that it's quite difficult to keep up. Um, nobody quite knows where the world is headed and the analysts, it's their job to interview and sit and think and talk to many, many people about that. So the companies that work with analyst, analysts and have an analyst relations function are able, I think, to stay a little bit ahead of um, what's coming and have a clearer vision and a clearer view of where they need to head to um, and it will be ultimately be those companies that have that vision that understand well that where the world is moving to that will succeed and thrive if you don't and you're stuck in the day-to-day -day, then you know you're without a uh, I don't know what's that term up a river without a, an oar or something I don't know I can't think <laughs> uh, to paraphrase like <laughs> it's those, those tools <laughs> but yeah I think those are great answers because it seems what is emerging in terms of these answers and kind of how the industry is moving is that organizations are beginning to see analyst relations as the strategic rather than the tactical, you know, tool that it is, that it has that potential to, you know, revolutionize how you view industry trends, how you develop your product roadmap and kind of really connect with your customers. And I think as you mentioned earlier, Nadia, I'm sort of moving on to the question of having established kind of what some of the benefits are sort of the environment, how, how things are set up for companies to get the most out of analyst relations. For people who are listening to this and thinking, hmm, maybe I should sort of step up our, our analyst relations activity, what should these companies be looking for when it comes to choosing analyst firms uh, with which to engage? Good question. Um, you know, it's, I think it's really important to understand what is your business's strategy what is its objectives? 
And what can analysts' relations help to support that, help to drive that? And, you know, Claire was saying it earlier, she mentioned earlier, it's not just the big boys. It's looking at a variety of analysts right across the market and ones that fit you, going back to that marriage broker uh, fundamentals of what suits you best, you know, which ones will really help drive your business and align with that strategy and objectives, keep you honest, keep you driving, um, ensure that you have the finger on the pulse, to use the phrase that you just used earlier, Claire, and also to ensure that actually um, are known to your customers. Now, there are obviously the big boys and they're really obvious, and of course, you know, they also, you have to invest a lot in them. And that really is remarkable, especially with the current economic challenges. But it's also the smaller ones, you know, being that bigger fish in a smaller pond and helping you go on that journey as well. And I think that's really important. And, and, and like you would with any agency, you know, whether that be a PR agency, a marketing agency, making sure that you clearly outline your plan and they have quarterly objectives and, and holding those people to account as well. I think that's really important because um, you're not just paying money. It's about you're paying for a resource and that is really important to have. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's really important to understand what ones are going to help you um, because it is, you know... <laughs> It is really expensive and it is amazing how certain analyst firms can, um, uh, well, they increase every year their, their annual fees. I'm sure all of you listening have experienced it or will be experiencing it. And it doesn't actually align with your own budgets, um, let alone um, uh, the rate of inflation. <laughs> So I think it's really important that you make sure that the analysts understand what you need from an account management perspective and also ensuring that there aren't too many restrictions to what we call seat holders, as they call them, or license holders. And I think that's really important too. Um, and it's that activation and making sure it's not just the seat and it's not just you know going through the motions, but you're actually looking at a learn and earn model, which is what you said perfectly earlier, Claire. I think that's really important and aligning that too and ensuring that your analyst firms, those account managers, really sweat it for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to, again, come back to, I think it's that why. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And that's how you identify your target analysts. Yeah. If you are doing it, purely for the earn side and to build awareness and credibility, then you need to make sure that you are targeting the analysts and bringing the analysts into your inner circle that have that reach and, you know, that maybe get mentioned frequently in, in press, etc. cetera. Um, if you are being really focused on growth, then there are specialists, analysts that deal with your prospects, deal with your um, target clients. So an example, um, which Nadia and I have worked on uh, previously together is, uh, you know, we work with in BFS and there are two very, very focused analyst relations firms, Sellant and Datos Insights, recently uh, renamed from IT in America. And they are completely focused 100% on BFSI. 
and therefore they really understand the market that our client is is operating in and, and give really detailed insights we also work with Gartner because they've got the reach they have you know and, and it's also down to geography where you know where are you where are you um, you know where are you targeting do they have the right geographic reach etc so it comes back to those goals and how you are measuring those goals and then you you make the decision on, on the analyst that you want to work with and I think that'll actually help you with your budgets as well, right? Because we only have a finite, sadly, we only have finite budgets. So from that perspective, that'll really help you, you know, not just from a strategy point of view of the why, but also the where. I think that's really critical as well. It's really important that you have that, um, those analysts that really give you that push um, and that um, and enable you for brand awareness, but also demand generation, because that's always a really big pull within those regions that you're targeting, not just now, but in the next 6, 12, 18 months too. And that's really important. And, and, and that really will help with, okay, if I've only got X amount of budget, who am, I going to, who am I going to give that to and why? And that really will help that. Yeah. And I think, again, it's interesting that point you bring up, a kind of, it does seem that, that measurement, that kind of keeping a tight hold of what are we achieving here? Like you said, keeping um, keeping the firms uh, honest sometimes in terms of are we both getting what we need out of this relationship? And a lot of the, the conversation, obviously, given the nature of an analyst and the nature of a company retaining an analyst firm does come down to data points, men, um, data points, measurement, statistics. But and you started to speak a little bit about the brand awareness piece, which is obviously related, but we do like to talk a little bit about that brand storytelling point and how brands can turn this data and these insights into actionable you know, insights and information that helps them connect with their target audience. So I'd just like to hear if you've got any extra points on or tips perhaps for how analyst relations can help sort of senior level marketers to kind of tweak to to optimize their kind of brand storytelling and make sure they're positioning themselves in the the best way possible to their um their target audience. I'm going to start and Claire please interrupt me. Okay, so learned about the earn and learn, learn and earn model. I think also it's about understanding what do the analysts actually know about you as well. Because it's amazing how much or sometimes how little. I think if you're starting out in analyst relations, I think it's a really good way of introducing yourself. You know, if, you've, if you're lucky enough to step into a role in analyst relations or it's, you're taking it on as part of your role, um, it's a great way of understanding, okay, so how much do you know about us? What do you know about us? Um, what are customers saying, those end users? It's amazing how much you will learn just from those open questions. Um, sometimes you might not like what you're hearing because you think, oh my Lord, I've got a load to do in my role <laughs> and there's only so many hours in the day. Um, gosh, been there. And But it's also a great way of saying, okay, so this is my... This is my ground zero. I think it's also understanding how you compete in the market or what they see you as in the market in comparison. So I think it's a bit of that litmus testing as well. Yeah. And then understanding um, and actually sharing then where do you want to be in the market and discussing how you'd like to get there. Yeah. 
And this isn't just a one-time conversation with those analysts. You know, those foundational steps can take you a good quarter, depending on the accessibility of those analysts, speaking practically. Um, but I think once you have that, and you can start with that why, <laughs> I think it's really good to then say, okay, well, this is our business objectives. This is my business strategy. This is how we're going to do it. Um what do you think, Mr. Analyst? I mean, it could be as simplistic as that. And maybe I'm oversimplifying, but I think those are really good ways of starting off. You know, we said earlier about getting the analyst to go on that journey with you. You know, you yourself, having the guidance, having the ability to have a guidance from the analyst as well is really important. Yeah, and I think that brand story and positioning, so if that's, what you've decided you want to use analyst relations for and you know coming back to that why and then you've selected your analyst based on that goal on the brand and, and helping you with your storytelling it is about making sure that you are really laser focused on a set few analysts that you are bringing on that journey and relying on for insight and information um, and actually what we've done recently with a client is exactly what you said, Nadia, we've asked the question, you know, what's your perception of us in the market? How are we faring versus our competitors? What have our competitors got to steal on? You know, what are the prospects, the clients saying to you about us? We then also went out and this is subject to brands having a little bit of spare cash lying around. Um, but we went out and did a perception audit of um, clients and closed lost, so clients that had, had shortlisted and then uh, decided not to work with this particular brand, um, and then clients that had kind of long-listed the, um, the client. There's lots of clients in there, but hopefully that's making sense. And we did that perception audit, we got the data back, we did all the uh, you know, data mining, and then actually we then took it back to the analysts, and we said, you know, and we were, were quite structured in the way we presented it, uh, but it also, you know, meant, meant that they could see the internal data, so they felt part of that journey, and then they could help us work out, alongside the client, how we go about improving. And actually, the perception was pretty excellent versus the competitors. So there wasn't a huge way, but small tweaks can make a big difference. Um, you know, if you're being selected. So we then worked with the analysts on putting together a little bit of a program of recommendations as to how this particular brand could then take that forward over the next 12 months. And then we'll do the perception order again at the same time. And we'll see, and that that's the measurement piece. I think that's where you can see, and hopefully it goes in the right direction. Do you know also, one of, one of the ranking reports, but also I think the analysts themselves from that go-to-market perspective are really interested in what you're doing in brand awareness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they want to see what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you're evolving your brand awareness, your brand strategy. It's a really great way for them also to understand and tweak and uh, your objectives, you know, as a business, but also from a marketing perspective as well. And that has been a real cautionary tale, I think, for clients in the past, yeah. 
because they haven't been doing that. They haven't been updating um, the analysts on that. I think it's also a really good cautionary tale from the point of view of let's keep the analysts updated. You know, what are you doing with that? How are you keeping them updated on brand awareness as well? Um, you know, whether that be sharing press releases with them at a tactical level or sharing user cases or case studies. Um, I think it's a great way of saying the brand story too. Um, and even getting your customers to speak to analysts is a great way of helping tell your brand story indirectly. Um, sometimes analysts like to be on the call, you to be as the vendor on the call, sometimes they don't. Um, of course, it's part of ranking reports, that's a given. But outside of ranking report season, it's also really good for them to talk to your customers as well. Um, it is a bit of a squeaky bum moment, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, but you know what? 99.99% of the time, it is absolutely brilliant. In fact, they are, analysts <laughs> tend to be far kinder, as journalists are, but far kinder to your customers than they are to you, right? Um, and it's a great way of saying, hey, don't just hear it from my point of view, hear it from the customer. Um, and I think that's that's a great way of telling the brand story. Because when companies, especially big ones, buy into you, they buy into your brand as well. And I think that's really important. I think just on that kind of, you know, briefing with the client in the room, whether it's double header or if it's just on their own, the analysts, again, they're trying to figure out what the future is. So going back to that vision and where we're headed and, you know, what the world's going to look like in five years time, that seems quite a long way away, um, but it's not. Um, they love being able to speak and they'll learn from speaking to your customers, your clients. So if you can do that, it's win-win it's for everybody. And also it's remarkable how much information the analysts will also share with your customer as well about where the market's going, um, what they're seeing within their industries, etc. So actually your customer has a bit of a win as well because they get free analyst time too, which is a win-win for you as well. Um, it's a great way of reaffirmation of relationships with your, with your customers as well. We're really lucky with that. And I think it's something that, you know, it, it shouldn't be taken lightly, but I think it's a really great way of helping with the brand awareness and brand positioning and story. Yeah, those are some those are some great responses. I think that gives us a lot to think about. And a term that kept popping up was obviously perception, which I think is a great call out in terms of relating to storytelling as a brand in terms of, you know, when you go back to kind of the basic principles of storytelling as kind of a narrative practice, you have the protagonist, which of course is your brand to, to an extent you're trying to personify who you are, your values, what you stand for, the reason you exist, obviously other than profit, which I think is <laughs> obviously the, the major reason why most companies exist. But in order to resonate with customers and try and show why you're different from any other firm they could hire to do the exact same thing is your values. Do you help them solve problems? And so you have the protagonist, you have the antagonist, which for a lot of them is, you know, that everyday work problem you're trying to solve for the client. And in some cases, your antagonist might be your competitors or it might be, you know, whatever is stopping that brand from becoming what it wants to be. And in a sense, I think in order to, you know, show who you are, what your brand values, the obstacles that you've got to overcome to become, you know, at that top right of the the, the wave, the report, that kind of beast in your uh, industry. I think if you do think of yourself, because obviously a lot of marketers, you will be very sort of head down in the books, very sort of, you know, very familiar with your own product. I think getting that bird's eye view 
of what how your company is viewed by the analyst i think is a great way for you to go oh i thought we were here but maybe where other people see us is here so that gives us a stronger platform from which to go okay maybe this influences how we do our earned media outreach maybe our content could use a tweak to to reflect the fact that we're still challenging maybe we need to change our tone of voice i think it's that's a great the, the perception point is a great way of showing that all of these various aspects of marketing are all interconnected and analyst relations is that bird's eye view, that kind of objective perspective of where we are, where we want to be and sort of how other people see us. Can I also add to that as well though? Don't forget to speak to a variety of analysts. Oh my gosh, you read my mind. (laughs) Great minds, great minds, you see. We've worked together far too long. It's really important because it's remarkable the differences that analyst analyst perceptions are um, because of the regionalization of them because of the um, some are very tech focused some are very product focused some of them are very business focused so it's really important that actually you speak to variety so you have that litmus test and it's a broad litmus test yeah I think especially you mentioned tone of voice Dan I think that is very very subjective so we know Um, I have a client uh, and we know one of their key analysts absolutely loves this particular client's tone of voice. Um, But is it what the market is looking for? I think it's just this particular analyst's preference for being a bit ballsy. Um, So yeah, I think you've got to, you can't just talk to one analyst. You have to have at least three voices involved to get that kind of landscape view especially around things like the the tone of voice i think that's that's actually a great addition because obviously it it kind of brings to mind that sort of metaphor of you know if your company's a film or something then the analysts are the focus group to an extent (laughs) a very well-informed focus group i have to stress but in a sense of they can it seems like they can stress test this is how your message will come across you know are you in touch with how people see you and being able to triangulate that perspective seems to be the uh the operative point um And then looking at, again, we've sort of discussed both of your experience with analysts, with firms, seeing how that relationship has evolved and changed. It would be great to see, and we discussed previously kind of how the market's speeding up, you know, hype cycles seem to be getting shorter or more seem to be getting introduced at the same time as kind of emerging technologies are sort of here one day and then out with the next thing. How how would you kind of characterize the, the default way that analysts approach new technologies kind of? I think on a spectrum of kind of um, cynicism to, you know, optimism, how how analysts kind of typically, and I'm sure it obviously varies person to person, but it would be interesting to to hear how you see the majority of analysts approach new technologies. Oh, that's an interesting one. I think from my perspective, again, Claire mentioned this earlier, with generative AI, I think depending on the field that you're in, Uh, as a vendor and where you're going on how you're going to use or work in generative AI it's how's it going to help your customers is it just a fad and I know it's not don't worry everybody (laughs) it's okay but it's how it's going to help your customers achieve their business strategy their business objectives their targets their prop you know and, and, and make money And I think that's a really important thing. And having customer examples or user case examples of where it can be used. What is the art of the possible? So I think that's where analysts want the proof points 
you know, it's it's amazing how uh, you can go to now saying, oh my goodness, you know, this competitor's just announced this. And they said, yeah, yeah, but where are the customers? Where, yeah. where are the customers? And I think that's, your, your proof is in your pudding. Yeah. And I think that's where they are very interested. And it's not just about having the vision or the the you know uh, the vaporware or the slideware it's also how's the customer using it what they're gaining from it what is their realization of value yeah we have spoken to companies in the past that have come to us and said i've got a whole new category (laughs) and we need to tell the analysts about it and actually it comes back to that point is this technology just built for technology's sake, or is it actually solving a real-world problem? And I think that's where the analysts can kind of help. So, yeah, everything that ever emerges from a technology point of view has to solve problems. Otherwise, there is absolutely no point in creating it. It's got to help people in some way, shape, or form. And the analysts will be able to help guide, um, you know, what that problem is. And you might start with a piece of technology that, uh evolves over time and you realize actually there is a problem that it solves but it's not the initial one i set out to solve and the, again the analysts can kind of take you on that kind of journey of exploration and, and discovery cool yeah that's um that's a great answer and something that we've been discussing throughout and i think it's kind of tied in a little bit to each of the the responses you've given me is that question of how ar as a, as a practice kind of ties into the the rest of the the marketing communications brand functions of a company and we've definitely discussed some points about how it feeds into your perception and how you position yourself and obviously how you can then use these analyst reports and that learn and earn model to sort of show your or show your customers show your investors show your partners where you're at and especially in relation to your competitors do you have any other thoughts on kind of this inter interconnectedness yeah okay all right i'll start with that one so i think that any any marketing pr ar function that is operating in a silo is really missing a beat um and so let's let's talk about integrated campaigns because we do a lot of talking about that um here at resonance if you are going out and you again comes back to why why are we doing any sort of marketing if it is to help and i'm going to focus on the growth and sales side of things because that's ultimately what a lot of our clients need and want help with it's about developing that campaign it's about developing the kind of content again it comes back to placing your customer at the heart or your prospect at the heart of anything you're doing the analyst insight that you can get in the planning stage, in the gathering intelligence stage, in the, you know, how do I shape this content? What do I, you know, what are the the three specific pain points I need to be speaking to throughout this campaign? Then also you can even ask, there are certain analysts, like you were talking about the CMO analyst, where are my clients hanging out? Where are my prospects hanging out? What do you think is the, the best outlet for my incredible campaign that I have developed based on insight from analysts, insight from research, insight from, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, So analyst relations can help support that whole journey. And actually Gartner offers document reviews, so you can send your 
finished, almost finished white paper or whatever your, your hero asset to Gartner and they can give you some insights. And it's not going to ever completely change the game because hopefully whoever is working for you on your PR and marketing understands you know, where they need to be going. But it can give you some really interesting insights um, that you can apply to the, you know, apply to the thinking. So AR can run through that entire kind of customer journey. I think it goes back to adding to, totally in agreement again, um, adding to what we said earlier about those companies that are laggards versus those that aren't. And if you want to be a game changer, you need to have it integrated. I'm, I'm cheating. I look after corporate comms in my, in my current role. And so AR, PR, creative, brand it sits under me uh, and with me. So, so from that perspective, I'm in a really fortunate position that it absolutely feeds into that too. It's part of the feeding. Um, and I think it's really important that it is part of the process. And that testing is so great to do. You know, it's another way of squeezing a very expensive investment um, by testing your campaigns, your materials, your, your, your content, your brand voice even. That's really important. And then Anis Reports as well is a great way of helping feed demand generation so again working really closely with the marketing campaigns team and demand generation of analyst reports is great um it's a really important part of it and if you if there are no uh ranking reports that sit within your wheelhouse and you have a bit of budget available aligning with your um, with certain analysts that are great at doing joint marketing activities with you is a great way of something that works right across product marketing, campaigns, PR, etc., etc. It needs to be a fundamental part of it, as well as sales enablement as well. Uh, so beyond the marketing function, as well as to the board and also to customers as well. Um, it's amazing how um, hearing insights at customer advisory boards or partner advisory boards from analysts is, is really great. And it's a great affirmation as well if you can get an analyst along. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really great. And also the customers get to speak to them directly. And again, for them, it's a reaffirmation of aligning with you and not your competitor. Yeah, yeah. And we're, you know, we're talking about implementing a pillar page at the moment for one of our clients. Um, and that SEO piece that sits around the pillar page. So what do you want to be known for? What do you how do you want to be found? I think Nadia, again, going back to if there is no magic quadrant or wave or whatever it is that you're chasing, having Flex reprints, Gartner do flex reprints of their reports. You can find a report that is related to the term that you need to be found for. You can put that on your pillar page behind a gated asset that helps with conversions, et cetera, et cetera. It all needs to tie together. It just needs that kind of overarching strategy at the top. And in order for that to be activated, and I know this is getting a bit tactical, make your account manager work for it. Oh, yeah. Get them to help you with it. It's, it's really helpful if your account manager has been in-house themselves. So they understand, they empathize with the complexity of working in a large corporate or, or small to medium. But I think also they're not just trying to upsell or cross-sell to you, but they understand the right analysts that can help you achieve those requirements for you from that marketing function perspective. And I think that will really help you too. 
Uh, I hope that's okay for me to say that at that sort of tactical level. But I think that's really important as well. After all, you know, they're getting their commission. You've just spent a lot of money on that investment on a seat. I think it's only right that they work for that. You know, they help you activate that investment. Yeah, as you said, Nadia, it's definitely a great point in terms of it goes beyond just the marketing, PR, um, brand, communications point of view. It goes into the other areas of the company that sales enablement, investor relations, customer success, all these various points that really allows companies and executives to, and especially the sort of people in our audience, these senior marketing people, to get buy-in for their analyst relations efforts and help other people and provide that education that I think in a lot of cases is needed about the value that analyst relations can provide. Uh, and the other point I wanted to dig into is what you said, Claire, a little bit around that kind of, I hesitate to call it a sanity check because I think it goes so much beyond that, but what analysts can provide in terms of, you know, AR helps marketers, it helps you tell your brand story, it helps you test, you know, your messaging, positioning, strategy, while also keeping you abreast of these industry trends, how your competition's doing, what your partners are doing, what your customers are saying, which is obviously a huge thing because sort of what your customers say to analysts, as you said previously, might not always be what they're telling you or, you know, feel comfortable telling you. So the fact that analyst relations acts as this sort of crucial nexus, they'll give you that, that, sort of testing and iteration process that I think is so often essential to you know brand development and I think these these key insights that sometimes are lacking from in-house research I think you've both made the point that that is or should at least always be central to how brands are positioning and marketing themselves Uh, and obviously I love the sort of metaphor that you were using Nadia of it is a courtship it's not sort of a an arranged marriage where you sort of pick a firm and then go right we're just going to sort of barrel straight down this track there is an element of you know of courting of saying is this the firm that's right for me if not you know what are my requirements different from someone else who I know who does analyst relations and I think having that strong set of criteria uh, I believe we'd call them boundaries or red or green flags um, if we want to go further in that uh, direction I think can really help you give that stronger sense of you know, this firm's great at this, this other firm's great at this. Let's see, you know, which one where is more of a priority to us. And again, just to summarize, AR isn't a niche area anymore. It's evolving. It covers a huge spectrum of roles at everything from marketing, investor relations, customer success, sales enablement. And as you said, Nadia, those people who aren't looking and adopting at it now will begin to struggle as their competitors have that those insights and that level of data that they won't have access to so obviously while there may be some challenges there it seems like it is sort of a hugely exciting time to work in analyst relations and sort of be that um that lighthouse potentially for some of your clients and other internal stakeholders so i just wanted to kind of give the two of you a chance if you had any kind of parting thoughts or tips to give our, our listeners claire Yeah, sure. I think I'm just going to leave it with one simple tip, and that is why. Why are you doing this? And everything else should fall out of that. Cool. Wow. I'm not quite sure how I can actually top that one, apart from I think it's very much about do not work in a silo. Always work cohesively across the business Find those key stakeholders, find those people that are willing within your organization to help you activate the investment within analyst relations. And once you have that, you will absolutely be flying. 
Thank you both. Those are some great answers. And I really just can't thank you enough for um, agreeing to give up your time today and sort of provide your uh, expertise to our listeners. And I'm sure some of whom will have a, a newly renewed interest uh, in analyst relations. But yeah, thank you for joining us today. And uh, to all of our listeners, see you next time. Goodbye. That was Wavelength by Resonance. Thank you for tuning in and please join us next time.